thought-provoking stories, and insights from around the globe by your favorite athletes. This is the Athlete's Obsession, brought to you by Obsesh. This week on the podcast, I talked to Connor Toulier, a cinematographer and content creator. Connor talks about his passion of cinematography, his love for nature, and his unique career path. Welcome to another edition of the Athletes Obsession podcast presented by Obsesh. As usual, I'm your host, Dalton Allison, and this week I'm joined by Connor Toulier, pro cinematographer and BMX writer. Connor, how's it going? Not too bad. How about yourself? Oh, I can't complain. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Athletes Obsession. I know you do a lot of content creation when it comes to Obsesh, so we're really excited to have you on to tell your story and to learn more about you. Yeah, man. Stoked to uh, share my story, and it kind of goes in a lot of different ways and up and down, so it's been a long, bumpy ride, but it's been, it's been awesome. Well, I'm going to dive right in and I'm going to ask you the question that I always ask people when they first come on the podcast. I'm going to ask you, what is your obsession? My obsession, honestly, like it changes a lot. Obviously, two of my big obsessions would be mountain biking and film, um, also snowboarding. And I got to say this summer, I've become obsessed with wake surfing. It's been like one thing that I've just really picked up on and we get to go out all the time and go surfing behind the boat out here in Colorado. And it is like so fun. So I've like obsessed, obsessed is a, you know, like it's a powerful word. So it's like, what are you actually obsessed with? And I could say wake surfing for sure. It's, it's been so fun. And I love to get to do like train and different things. Like, so wake surfing, you know, helps me become a better snowboarder, riding my skateboard around town, you know, it all kind of goes together and, you know, helps you uh, become better at each thing and just keeps the fun going. Now, all of those obsessions have something to do with nature in one way or the other. So you must have a love for nature. Where did that come from? Who kind of put that love for nature in you? Yeah, I've always loved going outside and and being active. Uh, I grew up in Alberta, Canada, which is like compared to the United States is pretty remote, (laughs) but I'm from a small town up there called Spruce Grove. And I grew up playing hockey, going snowmobiling with friends and family, going out in the woods, you know, building bike jumps and just always loved being outside and riding my bike. And Canada, you know, really was a good place for that. And then I ended up moving to Colorado when I was 12 years old, Uh, just with my parents. We uh, moved down here as a family And Colorado is also another amazing place for nature. So it was kind of like the perfect area to move to um, with what I love doing and uh, met some friends here, started mountain biking with them all the time, you know, was able to continue going outside and doing the things that I loved just in a new country and in a new place. That's awesome. So with, with Spruce Grove, I know it's a little bit more North, but it's in the the same region of Canada, were you ever able to make it down to Banff? Because that's a place yeah. that I've always <laughs> wanted to see and I've always wanted to go to and spend some time there. Yeah, man, Banff and, and Jasper, um, they're, they're amazing. Uh, it's about four or five hour drive from where I lived. So we didn't get to go all the time, but 
um, just a couple of years ago, I was out there doing a little trip and um, I had my hockey skates with me. So they clear a, a big pond. Um, it's like actually a lake. They clear a lake off like a big circle for everyone to go skate and play hockey in. And I was just up there by myself. I had my camera, my skates, um, some coffee, maybe a little beer and um, was just like skating around the pond. And it was so fun. So that was my last memory of, of Banff is just skating on this beautiful you know, Canadian lake um, with insane views. The mountains up there are crazy compared to Colorado. They're so tall and rugged um, and it's just pure Canadian beauty. <laughs> yeah, for anyone listening, um, I feel like you think you might not know what Banff is, but then if you turn off your computer and turn it back on, a lot of times they use Banff as like the screensaver for a lot of computers because they have the beautiful views of the mountains and all the lakes there so that's at least why I've always wanted to go there but you know being in all this nature uh and doing all this stuff outside it probably made you really busy when did you have time to first pick up a camera yeah for sure um things are busy but in a good way um so I first picked up a camera really I had no intentions of ever becoming like a photographer or a cinematographer, whatever you want to call it these days. But I first picked up a camera just with riding bikes with my friends. Um, I watched a lot of mountain bike videos and, um, you know, on YouTube and there's this website called pink bike, which was literally in the, in the day was the social media for mountain bikers. So like, I didn't even have Facebook. I didn't have Instagram at the time. I would just use pink bike. And that was like how I like, used social media and it was all mountain bike content so that really inspired me to like i'm like hey i want to you know make some videos with my friends or shoot some photos and that's what i did i picked up like this tiny little uh i don't even remember what kind of camera it was but it was my mom's and just borrowed it figured out how to you know import the clips into windows movie maker that was like the og editing software back in the day figured out how to start making edits, putting it to music and um, just really had a lot of fun, like going out and um, filming with my buddies, like riding bikes and, you know, drifting in parking lots, going to Taco Bell, <laughs> we'd film everything. Um, and just, and that was like, just fun. Like I was doing it for fun, nothing else. Um, and yeah, that was when I first picked up a camera. And then at one point I kind of realized along you know, doing those edits and photography, I was like, hey, like there's, you know, a lot of people out there that are actually making this a living and, you know, shooting videos and photos um, to survive and to eat. Um, and I was like, that's cool. You know, maybe that's something I, I could consider for, for my life because I, I had no idea what I wanted to do back in the day. All I wanted to do was just ride bikes. I never really, you know, thought, what am I going to do when you know, I have to get kicked out of my parents' house and have to make it on my own. So I kind of started going in that route, like, let's see if I can, you know, start to maybe like get better at this and, and maybe try to get paid for a couple jobs. And um, the first, first time I ever got paid for doing any video work was with a company called Plus Size BMX. And they paid me to do a mountain bike video of some dirt jump jam and I was like, sick, let's go. And kind of just, you know, spiraled from there. So 
You mentioned pink bike before, and a lot of us have a moment where we see something that inspires us to go down the career path that we eventually choose. Was there a moment for you where you watched a, a piece of media or a video that inspired you and it made you think, you know what, this, this is where I'm meant to be. This is what I'm meant to do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of those little gems along the way. Um, there was one particular piece of content that I did watch. It was a mountain bike film premiere. I, I can't remember the exact uh, movie, um, but it was, I went to a premiere at the Boulder Theater um, in Boulder, Colorado, and um, just watching a, a highly produced mountain bike film in a theater just hit really hard. And I was like, this is dope. Like, this is amazing. Um, number one, like you got mountain bikes. Number two, it's, you know, being shot on like some red cameras, whatever they had 10 years ago. And it just looked insane. Um, so I was like, this is, you know, this is rad. I, I, I want to make some, some movies like this someday. That's really awesome. And, you know, kind of looking more back at your life, um, a big moment for you was deciding that maybe the traditional education route wasn't the right route for you. So you decided to stop high school as a sophomore and obtain your GED. What was that decision like for you, you know, at that age? Yeah, it was, it was wild. I never liked going to school. I always felt like I was wasting my time there. And this is right around the time that I was um, starting to make videos, like just for fun and, you know, with Windows Movie Maker and everything. But yeah, it was right around that time. I was like, man, I'm like really not enjoying going to school. Like it just, you know, it's not designed for everyone. And I had a friend, um, his name's Kelsey, and he would always like ride with me. Um, and I was like, man, like, how do you always have time to like go ride and like show up at the dirt jumps just like anytime? Like you have a car, you have a job. Uh, I think he was maybe 16 or 17 at the time. And I was 14 or 15. And I was like, dude, like, how do you always have time to like go do this? And like, you're, you know, kind of living your best life. <laughs> and he's like, oh man, I, I got my GED. And I was like, oh, what's that? Like, tell me more. And so I think most people know what the GED is, but for people who don't know, it's a test that you can take, um, which is basically equivalent to a high school diploma. So if you take this GED test, they say like, okay, that's everything that you should know, you know, before you leave high school. So found out about the GED, did a ton of research on it. I'm like, this sounds, you know, like a promising idea. Um, this is a way for me to bypass, you know, the next pretty much three years of high school and did a ton of research on this. I discovered that in the state of Colorado, you are not allowed to get the GED or take the test until you're 18. And I dug a little deeper and I found this GED underage waiver form through the state of Colorado. Obviously it requires a parent's signature. So I'm like, shit, like, you know, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to try and get my mom or dad to sign this like paper that, you know, essentially is like me trying to leave high school and not finish, take a different route. So put together my pitch, I printed off, you know, this waiver form and I laid out all the facts for them and they'd always known I, you know, hated school. Like I was always late and 
I don't think I ever passed a single math class in high school. I don't ever I'm think with I you actually... on that one. <laughs> yeah. I'm so it was you. just frustrating, man. And um, so I laid out my pitch, basically presented it to both my parents. And I was like, hey, like, this is my plan. Um, I want to go take my GED test, be done with high school. I'm going to immediately go get like two jobs, do everything I can to like, you know, be self-supportive and support myself. All I need is the signature <laughs> to say that I can take the test, which is step number one. I still got to take the test. So a few weeks went by, like never got the signature. I was like pitching it every day. I was like, Hey, like, you know, you remember that GED thing that I want to do? They're like, yeah, like not stoked on it. You know, of course, like, you know, why, why would my parents want, want to help me drop out of high school? Cause they're, they're, you know, living, they grew up in a different age where, you know, no one really did anything like this. So a few weeks went by, I went into school one day and I was just kind of like, this is it. I, I need to do something. And I basically went up to all my teachers, like one after one in each class. And I was like, Hey, like, thank you guys for everything. Um, but I'm actually not coming to class tomorrow. Um, I'm going to make a change in my life and I'm going to go try and get my GED and like move on and like pursue other things. And there was a couple of them that were pretty stoked for me. They're like, wow, like, you know, go for it. Like, wish you luck and a couple others that obviously were just like you're stupid that's never gonna work that was the last day of high school for me and I basically went home and I like I told my parents I was like look I'm not I'm not gonna go I'm not gonna go to high school like I'm I'm done and got them to sign the form like thank thank god um shout out to my parents for doing that um, because that ultimately, you know, ultimately it worked out. I went in, got this form signed, spent like two days taking this test, passed it. Um, I remember waiting for my test results in the mail and I rode my bike down to the mailbox one day because I was hoping they would be there and found the letter, opened it right there in the, at the mailbox it said right on the front, like passed. And I was like, yo, this is crazy. So I like actually passed this test, which is like what you're supposed to know after you get out of high school. Um, all the information, you know, that you're supposed to, supposed to accumulate. Um, and I, I didn't think I was going to pass, to be honest. Like I never really did good in school. So, um, but I guess something inside of me, just, I studied a ton for the test and um, past it so I just remember riding my bike back home and I was like all right like it's time to you know make some make some moves now and and really try to get this thing off the ground and uh, started you know working at like local pizza joint delivering pizzas uh, I worked at a bicycle warehouse for a while um, and just trying to do everything I could to like make money, support myself, um, and then also do video and photo projects on the side. Um, so that went on for, I'd say three or four years after I actually passed and got my GED, um, just working odd jobs and, you know, trying to build up my portfolio. Now I've been full-time freelancing um, 
for coming up on three years now is um, after once I established my my company here in Colorado. So it's been a long journey. <laughs> yeah, and that's such a honestly such a, a great story because the school system is not built for everyone to succeed and it's not necessarily common that people who go and get their GED go on to build their own career like you did. Uh, so kudos to you for paving that path to yourself and really proving yourself correct that it wasn't the right path for you and that you made the right decision. And, you know, after you got your GED, you went into Colorado film school, you went from a schooling experience that, you know, clearly was not built to help you find and build on your passion to a school that was designed exactly to help you build on your passion. You know, what was that transition like? Yeah, I guess I forgot to mention that part of the story too, but as I was, you know, working and, and doing all that stuff, I was also going to a film school, which is like a local community college here in Colorado. Um, pretty small school actually, but designed for film so you can learn cinematography, directing, screenwriting, acting, literally everything that has to do with film under one roof. And it's basically like a mini full on production studio here in Colorado that with amazing teachers. And yeah, so I, it's funny cause I did this so young. I was literally in college at 16 um, and everyone else is like, 19 20 plus years old um so they would always make fun of me of just being like you know the youngest kid at school but um it was awesome because it's you know obviously I'm going to school now for something that I'm actually interested in and I'm like man like where was this you know my whole life like why why couldn't I just you know start doing this stuff sooner I think that, you know, everyone should should have a choice of what they want to learn in school or at least be presented other opportunities that can make it easier. Um, I think, you know, the curriculum right now is just it's so bland and it's kind of meant to, you know, send you off to a regular college or, you know, do this or that. So it's kind of it seems kind of hard to break out of that. Um, but yeah, going to film school was awesome. Just having other people around, like every everyone was there because they wanted to be there, obviously. So just having that environment was, you know, really cool. And yeah, just getting to like actually work on something that you're stoked about. It was awesome. Yeah, I was lucky enough to experience something of a similar environment for high school. I went to a technical high school in New Jersey, which allows you to spend, you know, as you're going through your grades it allows you to spend a certain amount of periods of your school day doing like an actual shop or occupation so I didn't end up nice. going down this path uh you know because I'm talking with you but I ended up going to that technical school for culinary arts so for more than half of my day I was actually like in a kitchen and working um which was a lot of fun and it taught me a life skill so I think that schools like that and schools like what you went to and attended are going to start to become more mainstream, you know, as we realize that the system that's set up to send people from high school to college is broken because not everyone fits into that mold at all. So definitely a, a two different style paths, but it's finding that career driven education is becoming a better trend to go down. 
Yeah, that's super cool, man. And I, I would hope that they become more mainstream. You know, if I had like one one thing that I would love to see changed in the, the whole world, you know, it, it would probably be the school system. And obviously like everyone on the planet should have access to good education and meaningful education. And that's that's definitely not the case. So, you know, that's one thing that I would love to see see changed in the world. Yeah. So getting back to your story, as as I mentioned, you know, you grew up in Colorado. There's so much nature there. How much did nature then when you started to really use your camera and make good films, you know, how much did nature play a role in your productions? I mean, quite a bit cuz a lot of the a lot of the projects that I'm doing are are shot outside and there's literally so much to play with rivers mountains trails mountain bike trails skate parks lakes and there's there's so much so i feel like my work also changes with the seasons so like this summer i was doing a lot of outdoor content filmed like a lot of wake surfing on the lakes and and mountain biking and and trail running or whatever um and now we're coming into fall time and winter so i'm starting to plan some some projects that I want to do on the mountain uh, with skiing and snowboarding. So it, it changes with nature and it, it really all depends. Like I was working on a, a music video last year um, and we kind of had no plans going into it, which is funny because, you know, it's a music video. You should probably have some plans, but um, we went up, we had a location in mind um, is on top of this, like, kind of like mountain lookout area in Boulder. And um, we're driving up and we're like starting to drive into the clouds. So we're like, oh shit, like, you know, we're either gonna be stuck in the clouds or we're gonna get like this amazing landscape above the clouds. And that's exactly what happened. So that was kind of a beautiful moment of like unexpected nature taking over um, and just like providing you with this beautiful backdrop above the clouds, like literally 360 views of like, it looks like you're just kind of like floating on this rock, you know, above the clouds. And it was just amazing. So you never know when you're going to get things like that. This last winter, we had a crazy snowstorm in Denver, like insane, like no one's outside, no one's driving kind of thing. So my buddy um, and I, we went out and basically got like a wakeboard rope and put it behind his Subaru. And we spent all day going up and down the streets, towing each other on snowboards and skis. Um, and we went and like picked up some other friends and people were driving by us on main roads in Denver on snowmobiles. Um, and there was like a cop car that came by us once and he like honked his horn and waved. We we're just like, man, like when else would we be able to get away with something like this? So you never know, like you just got to take advantage of you know, what nature throws at you sometimes. And that was like probably the funnest day in Denver last winter is just being able to snowboard behind cars and just do that all day. <laughs> I remember watching the news um, and seeing that just massive snow that was falling for you guys. So it looked like a lot of fun um, from New Jersey. The snow that yeah. we get on the streets is usually not, uh, not as pretty as you guys get. Usually it's black and slushy. So, <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Sounds like you guys had snow that you got to enjoy. Um, yeah. The COVID, yeah. 
This might be a dumb question, but is there is there mountains in New Jersey? Yeah. So the 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 way that most people think in New Jersey is, and this is because you know film and TV or whatnot. People think of New Jersey in two parts, and that's Sopranos land, which is like northern New Jersey, all industrial and built into highways and everything like that, and then the Jersey Shore, which is clubs and beaches. But that's mm-hmm. actually not the case at all. Um, the part where I grew up in New Jersey. It's called Sussex County. It's the northernmost county in New Jersey. It's all mountains. It's mountains and lakes. Um, So I lived in a very um, mountainous, secluded part of New Jersey growing up. So I had a lot of snow days where I grew up and we would go sledding in my backyard and hiking and all that fun mountain stuff. Um, Obviously the mountains weren't as big as they are in Colorado, but when I went to school, I ended up going to school in a town called South Orange, which is towards like that industrial area that everyone knows northern New Jersey to be. And now I live in Jersey City, too. So that's why the snow gets slushy and grows is because people are just trying to plow their way through it. <laughs> <laughs> OK, cool. That's fun. Yeah, I learned something new every day. I didn't know there was like, you know, all those regions up there. So that's awesome. Yeah, there's a, a, a popular snow resort called Mountain Creek. That's uh, the snow okay. resort that everyone goes to in New Jersey. Um, but, you know, getting back to your story and more about you, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic impacted basically everyone's job in one mm-hmm. way or another, no matter the industry. What kind of impact did the pandemic have on you and filming some of your projects? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's definitely a touchy subject, you know, um, and it sucks that that had to happen and is still happening. It, it definitely, yeah, it definitely affected everyone. And um, I didn't know what to expect when it all first started. I had a couple of friends overseas and they were like freaking out. My friend was stuck in Vietnam. She's like, I don't know what to do. Like, I think I should come back right now. And I was like, oh, maybe give it a couple of weeks, you know, see what happens. And, you know, it just kept going downhill. So uh, yeah, it's rough. I guess with with my my own personal setup, um, I have family up in Canada. Uh, you know, all my family still lives up there. I literally haven't seen them since um, this all started, which sucks. And I hope to get up there soon because I haven't been able to see any of my family. But on a more positive note, you know, I guess positives like a, it's a tough word in relation to the pandemic, but did get to do a project that was a little bit about COVID and also traveling. So I have a friend, um, her name is Ellie Smart. She is a professional diver, a cliff diver for Red Bull. She travels and does the Red Bull cliff diving circuit. Um, And we've been talking about doing a project for a long time. Weren't sure what we were going to do. And um, she called me one day. She was like, hey, I, I think I have an idea for, for a project that I want to do. Basically, what this is, is we wanted to see if, number one, you could travel to other countries during the middle of the pandemic. We wanted to see what that was like. We wanted to see how the locals and, and all the people were being affected there. And we also wanted to try and cliff jump, find new cliff jumping spots. So it's kind of like all these different things, people, culture, COVID travel and cliff jumping all combined um, into a mini docu-series. So we ended up going to 
four different places during the pandemic. I think I had a total of maybe like 30 COVID tests during the whole thing. This is pre-vaccine. We went to Aruba, Turks and Caicos, Puerto Rico, and a really cool island called Dominica. Um, and we made a, an episode for, for each place. So the first two are out, Aruba and Puerto Rico. The other two are still being edited. Um, yeah, it's, it was a, you know, despite everything that happened and is still happening during the pandemic, um, it did provide an opportunity for storytelling and um, us to get out there and explore and, and see what this is like. And every, every place we went to, everyone that we talked to, um, they were super thankful that we were there, um, still traveling, still supporting the tourism industry in those places because they'd been hit hard like like all of those places you know besides maybe Puerto Rico like their whole you know GDP or whatever you know whatever you call that is is based on tourism so everyone was you know super thankful to to see us there and I think a lot of people might have a different opinion I know I got a lot of hate on social media like why are you traveling right now what you know what why are you doing that? You're putting people at risk. And all I can say is, you know, I've got like over like 30 COVID tests during the whole time, you know, none of us ever tested positive and we were still supporting the, the industry. So yeah, I think overall, you know, that was a, that was a eye-opening project and we got to do some cool cliff jumping too. So definitely a, a good, good situation, you know, making the most out of a bad situation. Now I saw, I think it was in the Aruba episode, there was that massive ghost ship. Did you get to jump off the ghost ship or were, did you just leave that to the, the pros there? <laughs> yeah, so the ghost ship, I, I think I actually posted some clips about it, but that was in Turks and Caicos. Um, gotcha. So that place is insane. So the whole like island of Turks and Caicos, there's one on one side of it, you can basically walk out into the ocean for miles and just like clear, pristine water. Um, you know, I think the deepest it maybe gets for like, you're, you can walk out like three miles is what I'm trying to say. And um, out there, you know, a few miles into the ocean is this um, ship the La Famille shipwreck. There's a cool story behind it. I can't remember exactly why it's there, but I think it has to do with, um, it was blown off of shore from somewhere during one of the hurricanes. And so now this ship is just sitting in, you know, I think maybe 10 feet deep of water, rusted out, like the craziest looking like ship that you'll, you'll ever see. And just in the smack dab in like what looks to be like the middle of the ocean. So we, uh, we took a boat out there and uh, climbed onto the ship. Ellie and Owen were doing some dives off of the top. There's like a little uh, ladder that you can climb up to get to the highest point, which is honestly really sketchy, but pretty cool. Um, so I never dived off that part, but I did jump off the ship, do a few dives and, you know, did my part on that end. But um, yeah, the ghost ship was honestly like one of the coolest things that I saw out there. We went back another time to uh, shoot some photos at sunset. Yeah, I hope I hope the ship stays there. I, I would recommend if, if anyone goes, just be respectful of it and know that, you know, it's fragile, be careful. Don't like step in a, a hole because, and wear shoes because it's rusted. Um, so you don't wanna, 
you know, get any rusties in your body. <laughs> that sounds so awesome. And I want to know, was that your favorite project that you got to work on? Or is it a different project that was your favorite? Dive In is definitely up there with one of my favorite projects I've ever got to do. Um, it's definitely top three. It's hard to choose a favorite because they're all so different, but another notable project that stands out to me is my mountain bike film called Resilience. So it's a 12 minute long documentary um, about three mountain bikers who have all gotten injured um, and sustained life changing, life altering injuries and now have came back to ride bikes again, just in a little bit of a different way. So um, I have a friend that I rode with a bunch out in Colorado, his name's Jared. He was riding dirt jumps, uh, maybe, I think I wanna say 12, 13 years ago now, and basically had a pretty bad crash and had to get his leg um, amputated from the knee down. So now he rides with a prosthetic leg and he shreds like, he shreds so hard. So he was kind of the, the inspiration, one of the, one of the inspirations for making this film. And then there's two other riders, Lindsay and Dan, that also, you know, I sustained a life altering injury and came back to honestly ride hard and, and just prove that with sustaining an injury like that, you can still find new ways to do things. And, you know, I just also, I couldn't imagine having mountain biking taken away from me um, in that, in that sort of way. Like, so that was, you know, that was a special project to work on and definitely inspiring for me as well. And, and even just shooting the project with these athletes, I was, you know, kind of like had a glimpse into what their life is and, you know, these new struggles that have came up because of, you know, their injuries. So definitely makes you, um, thankful to have like, you know, working body and not everyone has that privilege, you know, hats off to them. Like they're some of the most amazing people that I know. And yeah, so documentary is called resilient, um, about the three mountain bikers. And that, that I would say is, is number one right now, just, just because of how, just because of the athletes, they really, they really made that, that film. So yeah, resilient number one for sure <laughs> that's a, such a great project um since you've gone through a path of becoming a filmmaker and really carving it out in your own way do you have any advice for people who might be in similar shoes as you or just aspiring filmmakers in general yeah i mean i would say like you know don't overthink it have fun like that's the number one thing. Like I didn't start this because I I wanted to become a photographer, or cinematographer, or you know, whatever. I just I started because I wanted to do it and it looked cool and fun. And you know, just don't lose that. Like keep it keep it fun. Don't keep it too serious. That would be like, you know, my number one advice. And also like there's other other ways to get things done. Um, so keep an open mind and just have fun. Yeah. Lastly, if people wanted to keep up with you on social media and your projects as well, how would they be able to do so? Yeah. Instagram's a good one. Um, it's just Connor Toulier, C-O-N-N-O-R-T-I-E-U-L-I-E. 
no one ever gets that right. Like my last name is so like so hard. I don't think there's any other Connor Tulier that exists on the world yet. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Instagram probably the best place to keep up with what I'm doing. Great. Well, Connor, I really appreciate the time uh, you took today to be on the Athletes Obsession and uh, can't wait to see what you come out with next. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me on and, you know, stay tuned for all the exciting projects coming up. So really appreciate the, the time today.